Well, good morning, Mosaic. If we haven't met before, my name is Bill. We're in an interesting season for us as a church. Uh, just kind of as I was reflecting on just the season we're kind of going through uh, is uh, just coming off of our, our lead pastor moving on to plant some more churches. And it can feel a little bit like we're like waiting for the future to come. Like we're longing like for the future to come now, uh, where we're not fully living in the present. Uh, have you ever kind of been in that place before? I feel like that's exactly where we are right now. And what I always say to my wife, Nicole, and she gets really annoyed at me as I say, enjoy the journey, not the destination. It's one of my favorite quotes because I think it's so easy to get so focused on the destination that we forget to live life in the present. And it can feel a little bit like uh, in this season, like we're kind of in the wilderness. Like we're not sure what's coming. We're not sure what's going to happen next. And so what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is we're going to be exploring the story of Jesus in the wilderness and kind of how it parallels to us right now. Uh, Jeff had asked you that question, what's, what's a moment for you in nature that just filled you with awe or wonder? Uh, so I'm curious, does anyone want to say, what's that moment for you? Or where were you at? Say that. I was here. In Africa. Yeah. Where else? For sure. Rocky Mountain National Park, that's where it's at. I haven't been there in a long time. So good. Where else? Diving at the Great Barrier Reef. I am jealous. Holy cow. Yeah, there's these moments, right, where we find ourselves in nature and we're just so struck with awe and wonder. I remember the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. Uh, it was just like, it was crazy. Like, we, we drove up, and you walk to the edge. Has anyone ever been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Like, you walk up to the edge, and you're just like, holy cow. This is crazy. And I don't know if you did what I did, but you take out your camera, and you try to take a picture, and then you look at the picture, and you're like, well, this is lame. Right? And then you take another picture, and you're like, nope. Take another picture, nope. Like, there's just something about being in situations where something is so profoundly beautiful that you can't capture it on film. You can't capture it with video. It's just, it's impossible. There's moments like that in our life. And that was a moment for me. Uh, and then I remember the next day we decided to go on a hike. Uh, and so the thing about hiking in the Grand Canyon is they say, don't hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back in a day. And so what did me and Nicole decide to do? Hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back in a day. Right? Because we're just that strong and tough. Uh, and they even post signs, they're like, this Olympic athlete tried to do it, and they died of dehydration, so please do not try to do it. But I was like, ah, we'll bring a milk jug of water, we'll be fine. Uh, so we started off that day, and it was about 70 degrees, um, and we had a huge milk jug in, of water in my backpack, and it was super heavy. And so we're hiking for a couple hours, and it was a beautiful day. Say between 70 and, 70 and 80 degrees, the, pretty much those two hours. And then we hit this section that was basically a cliff. It was like a cliff face to our left up and a cliff face down to our right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it was like the temperature spiked. And it went from 75 degrees to 105 degrees. And we had no shade whatsoever, literally just cliff face, cliff face, and I, I looked down, and I could see we're about a five-minute hike, and then the trail kind of shot around a corner. And I couldn't see where the trail kind of went, because I was kind of wondering, well, I wonder if there's shade down there. 
Like, if we could get to some shade, we'll be okay. And then I looked back up, and it was about a 15-minute hike to shade if we went back up. But we're starting to get a little bit tired at this point. And so I'm like, what do we do? Do we take a risk and go down, or we just turn around and go back up? Because I really wanted to get to the bottom. Uh, But we decided in that moment, because I looked at Nicole's face, and it was beet red. And I'm sure her mind was the same. We were just really tired and exhausted. So we, we hiked back up. Got to shade, literally chugged water, ate granola bars, and collapsed and just laid there for about 45 minutes, just exhausted and tired. Uh, And then we decided after about 45 minutes, okay, we're ready, let's keep going. So we hiked back up to the top, and we're about a half an hour from the top, and all of a sudden these big black clouds roll in, uh, and it starts raining on us. And the temperature goes from 100 degrees down to like 60 degrees. Right? And it's freezing cold because we expected it to be a pretty nice day. So we just wore shorts and T-shirts. And now we're freezing. Right? We went from like almost having heat exhaustion to being freezing cold in the rain. And just as we were getting to our car, it starts hailing on us. And I'm like, what a crazy place that we're in right now. That it literally goes from 70 degrees to 105 degrees to 60 degrees in hailing in a matter of four hours. A matter of four hours. See, that's the thing about the wilderness, right? The wilderness tests us. The wilderness kind of takes us to our limits uh, if we're not careful. The wilderness is one of those places where we sh- it kind of shows us what we're truly made of. And this season for us from Mosaic, this is a test for us. This is a test for us to really put our money where our mouth is and to really say, who are we at our core? Like, are we truly willing to proclaim church is not a person standing on stage, but it's a people? The church is us. Are we truly willing to be that church here in Lincoln, Nebraska? Are we truly willing to actually embrace the wilderness and to embrace uh, the test? Because this is not going to be a season for us where we just kind of sit on the edge of the cliff and just watch and observe. This is going to be a season for us where we start hiking where we hike down, and maybe we even get to the point where we say, bring on the heat, bring on the rain, heck, bring on the hail. Uh, That's this next season for us, is for us entering into the wilderness. Because that's our calling as a church, is we want to be that community of grace, community of faith, love, and hope in our city. Uh, And to allow that grace to actually pull us towards action, where we actually uh, see the dirt of the dirt of our city underneath our fingernails. And the thing about life is every calling needs to be tested. Every every time in your life, like what is that thing that you feel called to? That calling in your life needs to be tested. Are you willing to allow the calling in your life to be tested? Uh, Because it's when that test, we find out what truly our motives are, what truly is there underneath the surface. And so for us, Stepping in, right? This season for us is going to be a journey of going in the wilderness together. And so on the front end of this message today, I just want to ask you guys, do you guys have the courage to go into the wilderness with us? Do you have the courage to go into the wilderness uh, and test that calling? Uh, The interesting thing about this story uh, in in the scriptures when Jesus goes into the wilderness is we find it uh, in three out of the four gospels that were written. Uh, And so really the story that we find ourselves in is it's right at the beginning. So Jesus is born. 
He lives 30 years of his life approximately uh, just as a normal guy. There's not much information outside of his birth. There's a little section in one of the books in his adolescent period, uh, and then nothing. And then he's about a 30-year-old man who probably has been living his life doing a trade, probably carpentry that his father taught him. And then he gets baptized. It's just all of a sudden there's this baptism story where he shows up and John the Baptist recognizes him. And John the Baptist is like, like, are you kidding me? You should be baptizing me. Why are you asking me to baptize you? And Jesus says, no, this needs to happen. And so John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. Uh, And we suspect it was probably the, the part of the Jordan River that the Israelites first crossed over into the Promised Land. And Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. And I want to read you the story. I want to read you what happens. It's found in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After, 40, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's so interesting that Jesus' first action after his baptism is to retreat into isolation in the wilderness. It's so interesting that he gets baptized, he gets commissioned uh, for his ministry, the, his whole purpose of why he came to earth. And what he chooses to do is to spend 40 days in the wilderness. He chooses to spend 40 days being tested, 40 days uh, not eating food. And then my favorite line is, he was hungry. Well, duh, he was hungry. Right? 40 days he spends in the wilderness, and 40 days he's, he's hungry. And we kind of have to ask ourselves a question, uh, actually, before we get there. Um, there's, there's something really significant happening here. Because I think in that moment where Jesus is choosing to go into the wilderness is he's choosing to allow that calling to be tested. Right? So many of us in our lives, we fear the wilderness because we actually we fear the test. Does anyone here actually like taking tests? See, no one likes taking tests. Right? And the people who actually say, I do like taking tests, and maybe you're like, ah, I just didn't want to raise my hand. If you say, oh, you do like taking tests, I would argue you don't like taking tests you just like succeeding, and you're probably really, really good at taking tests, and you probably get good grades, but that's what you actually like, right? We don't like being tested. We don't like when our relationships are tested. We don't like when uh, uh, anything in our life is being tested, because testing, it, it, it hurts. It's hard. It's not easy. I would argue we don't like isolation, right? Even the most introverted people in the room, could you imagine spending 40 days by yourself? That would be the worst, by the way. I couldn't be alone with myself for 40 days. Uh, Have you ever spent one day all by yourself? Like, I I know for me, there's like the rare occasion, Nicole and my kids go out of town, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to sit in the house all day long by myself. And then you go out at night, and you're like, this is weird. Has anyone ever done that? I guess I'm just the weird one in here. Sorry. But we fear these things. And Jesus, in this moment, he's choosing to step into the wilderness. And I think it's important to understand that when it says Jesus goes into the wilderness, this is not like Grand Canyon beauty. This is not 
the woods. This is not the lake in Estes Park, Colorado. Uh, This is not Great Barrier Reef stuff. Like, this is this right here. It is dry, barren, lifeless desert that he's going into. There is nothing here. It is awful. This is not a place that you want to be because it's, it's excruciatingly hot in the daytime and freezing cold at night. It's a desert. It's not where you want to be. And even if you take like a satellite map of what that part of the world looks like right now, uh, this is what it looks like. And so you see that like kind of section of green is that that's, that's Israel right there. And you have kind of that lake looking thing in the middle uh, is the Dead Sea. And then coming out the Dead Sea, if you look really closely, you could see the Jordan River. And then the little lake at the top is the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus would have been baptized uh, in the Jordan River just, just north of the, the Dead Sea. And then the wilderness that he probably went into is probably moving um, to the east, into the desert, into the brown, into the lifeless area. Uh, if you look at cities and population today, where do you think people are? People are where the grass is green, where you could actually grow food, where you could actually feed your livestock. Uh, people don't go into the desert. You don't go into the wilderness. It's not where you want to be, but this is where Jesus chooses to go. Uh, he chooses to go where it's lifeless, and he's giving us a clue. He's giving us a hint of what it looks like to have an intimate relationship with God. He's given us some clues into to what we need to do in our own lives when we feel a calling. When we feel like life is pulling us towards something or God is pulling us towards something, he's given us a clue of how we need to step into that. Uh, so then we kind of have to ask ourselves the question, why? Right? Why did Jesus choose to do this? Why did he choose to go there? Why did he choose to go into the wilderness uh, to be tested, to be tested? Uh, it's key for us to understand that uh, sometimes this passage of Scripture, it's purely read through the period of time uh, in the church calendar called Lent. Uh, which is Jesus fast for 40 days. And so many times we celebrate Lent uh, and we choose to give something up for the 40 days, not counting Sundays, uh, leading up to Easter. So a lot of times this is the story that we reflect on in the Lent season that we find ourselves in. Uh, And so sometimes what we really only get out of this story is that Jesus fasted, so maybe we should fast from stuff. And Jesus survived without food, kind of proving that he was divine. It's a miracle. But there's actually a lot more going on to the story here. And there's a lot more that the author wants to get us to get out of the story. So this story is found in the book of Matthew that we're reading. And Matthew, his audience was the Jewish people in the first century. right? And so he's actually doing something very pivotal in the way that he writes is because he's trying to convince them that Jesus was the Jew of all Jews. That Jesus wasn't just a man. Jesus was actually the new Moses, the new Moses. And so we get that because in a very short period of uh, of text, Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River, the specific section that the Israelites had crossed over that Moses was not allowed to cross into. Jesus was allowed to cross the Jordan River, but Moses was not, right? Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Moses and the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness, Uh, Jesus was hungry. Like, we read that line and we're like, why did you put that he was hungry in there? That's just silly. But it's actually a very strategic line because Jesus was hungry and so were the Israelites. 
But how did Jesus respond when he's hungry? And how did the Israelites respond when they were hungry? So what I want to do is I want to read for you kind of what happens when Jesus is hungry in the wilderness. How does he respond to it? So we find that, just we move on to verse 3. It says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when Jesus is alone and hungry, uh, he has the humility to say, man does not live on bread alone. When he's tested, when he's tried, he says, but we rely on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, And he's actually quoting Moses here. So let's look at the way the Israelites respond when they get hungry. And in order to like set you up for the context of what's about to happen is, we have to understand that the Israelites were slaves in the country of Egypt for a long, long time. And Moses is called by God to deliver them. Uh, and by the grace of God, they are miraculously delivered out of Egypt. Uh, miraculously delivered. They saw miracle after miracle happen. And they get to leave Egypt. And right when they leave Egypt, guess what happens? The Egyptians change their mind and they're like, no, we're coming after you. And then they're out for blood. And so the Egyptians are coming after them. And then they find themselves right before this sea. And they, they can't go any further forward. But the Egyptian army is coming up right behind them. Uh, and, and then the scriptures say, uh, uh, the Israelites say, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out here to die? And then God does a miracle before them. He parts the sea. They get to walk across it. And then the sea closes up and destroys the army that's out for blood right behind them. So we have all these miracles happening. And then they're thirsty and they come across this water, but they can't drink the water because it says it's bitter water. Now, it doesn't mean that it just tasted bad. If they drink it, they're going to die. And so God tells Moses to throw this branch in the water. So Moses does it and it heals the water. And they could drink the water. So it's like miracle after miracle after miracle is happening. And then they get hungry. And this is what the scriptures say. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 to 4, it says, In the desert, the whole community, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food that we wanted. But you have brought us out here into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. I will rain down bread from heaven. And so you have these people that are complaining after seeing all these miracles happen in their life because they were hungry. And then you have Jesus who is experiencing these same things, and he's faithful, right? And then Jesus quotes Moses by saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when Moses writes these words in the book of Deuteronomy, he's literally sitting right outside the promised land. He could probably see the Jordan River from where he's at, And he's writing these words, reflecting on the 40 years that they spent in the wilderness together. And he's he's sitting there because he knows he's not allowed to cross into the promised land because that's what God told him to do. And so he faithfully obeyed that. And so he's sitting there and the whole people are basically waiting for Moses to die so that they could enter the promised land. 
uh, which is probably going to be kind of awkward for him to think about it. Like, everyone's waiting for me to die so they can move in. And then Moses says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way into the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart. Right? He led you into the wilderness to humble and to test you. Why? To know, to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of of the Lord. Do we see the parallel here? is that there's so many things that is tying these two passages of Scripture together. That Jesus, as the new Moses, right? Jesus is offering an exodus for us all out of slavery. Jesus is offering this exodus for each and every one of us, not just for the Israelite people. Why? And why is the wilderness so crucial, even for Jesus and even for us today? Because the wilderness is about humbling us, And it's about testing us. Testing us why? Testing us to see what our heart is truly there. Right? Because there's those moments in our life where we're tested to our limits. Where we're tested every ounce of our energy, every ounce of our patience. And then what's really revealed is what's kind of beneath everything. What's beneath the surface? What's there, really? And that's where we really understand and we we can begin to know what our calling is is. Uh, And it's interesting because, uh, so in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1, it says that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted. Uh, And that even that word tempted, uh, it's actually the Greek word parazo. And that Greek word parazo can mean tempt, but it also can mean test. And so even many uh, translations of this will, will use the word, will translate it as tested tempted or tested, uh, because then it goes on, the story goes on even after the encounter with the bread temptation, is Jesus is tempted a second time. And it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And that word that they use in Greek is ekparadzo, uh, which is put to the test. Because uh, parazo is test, and ekparadzo is put to the test. So it's pivotal that we understand these things because the wilderness, it's not that place for us to test God. It's those places where we allow God to test us. It's that place, it's a posture that we have that we're willing to say, you know what, God? You know what? You can test me now because I'm ready for the test. I I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Raise your hand if you have. Have you ever heard someone say, don't pray for patience because God's going to test your patience? Right? I hear this, and I I feel like I've maybe even said these words before, but it's such a silly statement Because if you want to be more patient, of course you're going to have to be put in a situation where your patience is tested. You're going to have to be put in a situation where you need patience, 
right? It's like working out. You can't pray, God, I want big muscles, but I don't want to work out, right? Or, God, I want to be skinny, but I don't want to eat less food. Uh, my wife, she has this uh, magnet on the fridge. It says, Lord, if you won't make me skinny, make my friends fat, right? She's been struggling to find friends lately. I'm not sure why. It's praying for all her friends to be fat. Uh, <laughs> But it's so silly. It's like saying, God, I want wisdom. I want to be smart. But I don't want to read any books, and I don't want to have to study anything. Right? Of course, everything in our life, all the areas that we want to grow, if you have a calling in your life, you need to be tested. You need to get to that place where you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be tested in this. And so what is that for you? Like, what is that in your life where you feel like you are being called to do? Whether that's like a ministry thing that you feel like you're being called to do, or even a life thing. Because everything that we choose to step into in our life, it needs to go through the wilderness. It needs to be tested. And it need, we need to have the humility to say, okay, I'm ready. I'm willing to embrace this test. Because God is always going to test our calling. Every single time. If we say we feel like God is calling us to something, he's going to test it. And we should have the posture where we're willing to go into the wilderness and to be tested. So I'm wondering for you, like, what is that area in your life? Like, where do you feel kind of the Spirit moving you? You know, just how it's said in the Scriptures that the Spirit of God descended on Jesus at his baptism, and then he immediately led him into the wilderness. Where do you feel the Spirit leading you? Where do you feel him guiding you? And do you have the humility in this moment to say, God, I kind of feel like you're drawing me this way? Test that. Test me. Pull me in that direction. And the really, if you're asking yourself the question, well, how do I get an answer to that? Um, I think it's important to look at how Jesus uh, operated his life in the wilderness. And the two pivotal things that I see that I don't think we do very often in our society, especially part of our spiritual rhythms, is one, fasting. Do you ever give up food for a day, even, to focus on prayer or to focus on listening? Um, Do you ever choose to give up things in your life so that you can focus a little bit more? Do you ever reflect and say, God, what are the areas in my life? What, what What are my rhythms of life? that are causing me to disconnect from you? What are those things in your life that you kind of need to step into and fast from? And then the other thing is isolation. We have such a severe fear in our society of isolation and boredom uh, that we don't very often sit alone in the quiet and just listen. I think even what's modeled for us in prayer is that we talk and we talk and we talk and then we're like, okay, God, I'm good out. But how often in our prayer time do we sit? Are we quiet? Are our ears open and in tune with what the Spirit is saying and leading us to do? And so if you're looking for some practical steps to know what you are called to do or know how you could be tested, look at what Jesus modeled us through fasting and through listening to the Spirit. And I'm convinced if we choose to go into the wilderness together as a church, if we choose to embrace our individual callings, but also our corporate calling as a church, we're going to see some pretty cool stuff happen around here. 
that we can be in a church in our city that we actually begin to put our money with where our mouth is, that we're not in a, a church with an agenda. We're not a church with a slick marketing campaign just to get butts in the seat. We're not a church where we're choosing to constantly uh, spit judgment at people. Uh, but we can be a community that is humble, that is tested, that hears the voice of God and that moves into the wilderness with him. See, because the thing that we have to understand about this story, Jesus as our new Moses leading us, you and me on this Exodus journey, is that we are all slaves to something. We are all slaves to some sin in our life. Right? We're all slaves to our own greed. We're all slaves to our own self-obsession. We're slaves to our envy. We're slaves to revenge. We're all slaves to something in our life, and Jesus wants to pull us out of slavery. And where? Into the wilderness. Into the wilderness with him. See, because the thing we have to understand is being a slave feels good. It's easy to be a slave. I think it's easy to think about the Israelites and to judge them like, how did you guys not know? Why didn't you just follow Moses? Why didn't you just do what he said? Why didn't you just trust him? Why didn't you just have faith like you saw all these miracles? But how often do we see miracles in our life, but we just ignore it? How often do we see God move in our lives six months ago, but now we're doubting today? And so it's so easy because slavery is easy. It's easy to not be generous. It's easy to be envious. Those things are easy. Those are easy things to fall into. But Jesus is setting us free. Jesus wants, to, wants us to join him on this Exodus journey. And that as we join him in the wilderness, right, the same spirit that descended on Jesus at his baptism can descend on us. Right? That's the power of the cross. I love what it says in the book of Romans, chapter 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Saved in eternity, but also saved in this life. Saved from all those areas of slavery that you find yourself in. And so really today, it's asking yourself the question, where, what am I still a slave to? What do I need to be delivered from? Where do I need Jesus to deliver an exodus in my heart and begin to draw me into the wilderness? And then where is the Spirit calling me? Where do I feel like I need to go? And then will you have the courage to say, God, test me. Spirit, test me. Test that calling. Test where I feel like I need, I, want, I, I feel like I want to go. Because here's the thing. God will transform our hearts. And I would argue he can only transform our hearts when we allow him to test us. So as we walk out of here today, let's walk out of here with that posture. God, draw us into the wilderness and test us. Test us. Would you pray with me? God, I just thank you so much that we get to reflect on such a beautiful story of your involvement in the world. <laughs> that you were with Moses and the Israelites 3,000 years ago. 
And then you, you chose to come in the flesh 2,000 years ago. And that God, even now in this moment, you want to deliver us. Right here and now today. Because you know that we are still in slavery. And so God, I just pray for your spirit to come and for you to reveal those areas of our heart or those areas of our life where we're still a slave to something. Maybe that's just a slave to our own desires, our own goals, our own selfishness, a slave to our overconsumption, our lust, our money, our envy, our self-obsession. God, I just pray that you begin to surface those things in us so that we have the courage to confess them and ask to be delivered from them. And then, God, I pray that you will give us a calling. I pray that you will speak deeply into our hearts and say that slavery does not define you, freedom does. And so, Jesus, as we are free, I pray for that calling over our life to become a siren in our heads. And God, I pray that we will have the courage if we feel you speaking to us right here and now to say, test me on that. Test me on that calling, where I need to go, what I want to do. God, I pray for Mosaic. I pray that you will take this as an opportunity to test us, that we can be defined as a church who is a people, a people who love you so much and a people who love our neighbors so much that we don't just, we're not a part of this thing just to come to an event on Sunday mornings, but we are a part of this because we want to see your kingdom come in all the world and we want to be called by you to be bearers of your kingdom here and now today. God, I pray that Mosaic, that we will come together as a tribe, as a community, and that we can go into the wilderness together. We can be tested. We can be taken to our limits. We can experience drastic highs and lows. Uh, and, and that through the end of it, what will come out is what our heart truly beats for. And God, I pray that that is you, Jesus what will be revealed is you, Jesus, in the end. The cross and forgiveness and the resurrection that we can experience new life for eternity, but also right here and now. Thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.